0: Hey folks, it's Gus G. from Firewind, you're listening to Thunder Underground.
1: Welcome to episode 389 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent here, as always. This week, we've got a great one because Gus G. is here on this podcast for the first time. Gus, of course, is one of the greatest guitarists in the world of heavy metal over the past two-plus decades. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff from from throughout those past two-plus decades, as well as current stuff with his brand-new album, Firewind. And a lot of other stuff as well with Gus. So we're going to get into that here very shortly. But before we do, I need to let you know who we are sponsored by. And that would be Sunset Tattoo. A tattoo shop located in Midtown Tulsa. Their tattoos are done getting proper. They're state licensed. And they are mother approved. Well over 25 years of experience from Jake Thompson and his crew over there. They accept walk-ins at any time. But you can also... Give them a call or shoot them a message ahead of time to set up an appointment to go in there and talk about what work you're looking to have done or, of course, to go in and get their opinion and their help. Hit up the socials. Facebook and Instagram are both Sunset Tattoo Tulsa, and you can see tons of photos of a lot of their work throughout the years. They excel in all different styles. I've personally had work done by Jake, and I'm looking forward to having more done soon. So give them a call and tell them you heard about him on Thunder Underground. We've also got DEB Concerts, a concert promoter based right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They've been bringing tons of great acts to this area throughout the years, like Saxon, L.A. Guns, Junkyard, Last in Line, Buckcherry, Great White, Winger, Warrant. The list is great and long, and it continues to get bigger. April 6th at the Vanguard in Tulsa, Last in Line and Lita Ford together on the same night. Co headline in there at the Vanguard. Don't want to miss this one. So hit up the Vanguard's website for ticket info. Hit up debconcerts.com for more info as well. And of course, hit up the socials. Follow them on there, DEB Concerts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. They also book the Roadhouse stage at Rocklahoma every year. This year will be no different. And speaking of those socials, they recently just opened the window for submissions. If you've got a band and you want to play the Roadhouse Stage at Rocklahoma, the info is all right there on their Facebook. So hit up DEB Concerts to find out how you can do that. And of course, as always, a huge thank you to DEB Concerts. Before we jump into the talk about Gus G, I guess one thing of major note when it comes to the world of hard rock or heavy metal would be the fact that just a couple of days ago, it was announced that Slayer is returning. They announced two different shows. They're headlining one of the nights at Louder Than Life this year in Kentucky. And then headlining one of the nights at Riot Fest this year in Chicago. Both those dates are in September. You know, this kind of came out of the blue. Kind of weird timing with the fact that, you know, Carry King, you know, has been... Out there in the press talking about his solo venture, the album just basically under the name Kerry King, where he's got a great cast with him there, Phil Dimmel, you know, on guitar, amazing, one of my favorite guitarists over the past 20 years, and then you've got Paul Bostoff on drums, of course, from modern Slayer fame, and then we've got Mark, the vocalist of Death Angel, singing the vocals on this thing, so you know that's fantastic. That's beside the point, I guess. But in the promotion of this thing, talking about all the live shows they're going to do and everything, of course, he's been asked a lot about Slayer and he's kind of ran his mouth a bit about past stuff, whether it be with Tom, mainly with Tom or just whatever. You know, he said a few unflattering things recently and then all of a sudden, oh, guess who's back? You know, a band that said, you know, we're retiring five years ago, but that's not really the point. The point is, I think that Kerry King was well aware of this, and talking shit about Tom Araya gets a little bit more press than not talking shit about Tom Araya. I mean, I don't know that that's the fact. That just seems pretty convenient to me, right? Because the whole Carrie King didn't know this thing was happening is obviously very untrue. The fact that, you know, it's happening is cool. I don't, not been one of those people that's ever cared if a band comes back. You know, the Molly Crew thing was funny because they signed a contract. They said they wouldn't, but you know, Slayer didn't do anything like that. They, in fact, they were one of the many bands that when they did announce this and did go through the process of their final touring throughout 2019, they claimed that this was their final tour, all that, the whole loophole that a lot of bands have done throughout the years, not a lot of bands, but a few, I'm not touring, but Hey, you know, we can do shows here or there, right? Which Whatever. I'm under the assumption that KISS will do it as well. For some reason, really do believe KISS probably won't tour again. That whole thing was real, but I'm sure a few years from now, you know, there'll be a big KISS show in Vegas or New York City or something. Really, why did I bring this up? Just because that's relevant news, I guess, that Slayer is at least back for two shows. Will we get more shows of that? Will anything else come of it? Who knows? Whatever. I'm cool with it. I'm good to see it. I'm glad to see it. All right, let's jump into the subject at hand, which is Gus G. The 10th album. Yeah, 10th album from Firewind is coming out in one week. I don't know when you're listening to this, but it comes out on March 1st. With that being said, if at any point you've been a fan of Firewind, you're not going to be disappointed. I had the opportunity to listen to an advanced copy of this. And, you know, as... Anyone can go online right now onto Spotify or wherever you stream your music at. And you can hear five of the songs already for this album. And there, I think there's only 11. Let me see. There's actually only 10 songs, right? So half the album is out. That's actually something we spoke about at the beginning of this interview. But with that being said, the full album is great. You know, we talk about it here in a bit. But, you know, "Stand United is the name of this album. And the title track itself is killer. The lead-off track, Salvation Day, is one of those singles that's already out you can check out that is unbelievable. This album just kicks off. And I mean, it just, it's fire one. It's, you know, some of the best power metal you can get out there, in my opinion. Great tracks throughout here. You know, we talk a little bit about this song called Land of Chaos. A couple other songs here coming up. But really, when it comes to the landscape of power metal over the, you know, the 21st century, you know, Gus G is right there in the midst of all of it. You know, just the beginning of this guy's career, you know, he was involved with not just one, but several of the bands that kind of became the preeminent power metal bands, you know, of the 21st century with like Dream Evil and Firewind and Mystic Prophecy and so on and so forth. You know, to me, it's just amazing whenever a musician is, a big part of more than one band in a genre, but to be as big of a part as he has been of more than one band, of course that turned into solely Firewind, you know, after a few years, just everything he's contributed to power metal, you know, is immense in my opinion. And that's not really an opinion. Everybody knows that. And of course his time with Ozzy is well known as well. And that's something else that we get into for a little bit among many other things but besides me here sitting here telling you about the things we talk about why don't we just jump right into this here is Gus G of Firewind. stand united's out in about three weeks and you've already released five singles kind of giving fans a real idea of what to expect from this album kind of talk about the idea of having you know half the album available before the official release
0: yeah i mean the whole idea of this album was to work uh the singles basically um that was what you know that was what uh, the label approached me uh with that was their idea because the format has changed so much these days you know it's all about dropping that single on Spotify and trying to get playlisted you know like uh right uh I mean in a sense it's come full circle this was what was happening back in the 50s I guess or 60s when they would release uh you know those uh seven inch records the singles and then if they had enough hits then they eventually would compile them and get the artist in the studio to do a few more tracks and release a long play record. That's what Elvis did, I guess, and Beatles and, I mean, going way back, right? Right. Um, I mean, nowadays, you think about it, it's kind of become like that too, but in a digital world, obviously in a digital um, era and, uh, and that, and that's what, uh, and that's what uh, the labels are looking at, I guess. So they said, they said to me, you know, you should do the album, but, you know, we should work the singles, you know, just give us singles first. So, That was the whole, um, that's how we started with this project, with this album. And maybe that's why all the songs or most of the songs had this kind of up-tempo vibe and more anthemic approach to it. Yeah. And I wanted each song to be able to stand on its own, kind of, that, that was, that was, uh, like that, that was the mindset.
1: When you guys released Destiny is Calling, like a full year before the album release, was that part of this intentional plan?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, um, Destiny's Calling, I mean, to be honest, that was the only song that we managed to finish before we went on, on the European tour. And we thought we should have a song finished to to drop during the tour. So Destiny's Calling served its purpose. Like we were on a, a massive European tour with Beast in Black. Uh, so, we you know, we we're on tour for two months. So we, we put out a, a new song during that too. So, and then when we came back from tour, we went back in the studio and then finished a couple of more tracks. Um, And then we, uh, we, we originally planned to release the album last year, but then because we were like back and forth with touring and things like that, we took our time to finish the record. And right before that, Right before we started putting out more new music, we we put out a a, a Blu-ray and a, and a double live album because we had a, a show recorded from our twentieth anniversary celebration, like a hometown show, and uh, so we put that out last summer. And right after that, we started dropping new singles and basically leading up to today.
1: Kind of talking about what you just talked about a minute ago about the you know the early days of rock and roll with releasing singles. Do you do you miss? You know kind of what we grew- i mean we're about the same age mid forties do you miss kind of grow, you know what we grew up with with the full albums and buying an album and kind of just enveloping the full thing which kind of got lost on a younger generation i think
0: yeah yeah i uh i <laughs> I mean, I do miss record shops. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, I, I used to take the bus and go downtown and just uh, go hang out. Like uh, on Saturdays, that's what we did. You know, we would take the bus downtown and we'd go to record shops and we'd just look for vinyls or CDs for that matter. Like in the mid-90s, the, the CDs came out. But, you know, you could still find a lot, a lot of vinyls. Um And, you know, like when you decided to buy an album, it was like, I mean, that you spend all your money in that, you you better like it, <laughs> right? So, so, but even if you didn't like like that, you would go. It would be like a whole ritual. You would take that back home and then sit sit there in the couch and you know really like, you know, read the credits while you're listening to the album and, yeah. I mean, I kind of miss that uh, because now only for the reason because. Now we don't really focus so much on anything. Like everything is lasts for like thirty seconds, only for that, really, Uh, not for anything else. And I mean, of course, you know, uh, I wish uh, the younger kids now could have experienced that kind of thing that we experienced, you know, in our age when we were young. But um, on the other hand, on the other hand, I I accept that you know, technology moves on the world moves on and we're here now and this is how people consume music today i'm pretty sure people consume a lot more music today it's just through a different format through a different way um the only sad part like i I just said is uh, for me that there's no not much much um, attention and care put anymore into what we consume
1: yeah yeah that's true there's uh when I was a kid, if you would have told me that one day I'd be able to listen to anything I want at any given moment, you know, it would have blown my mind. But then you yeah, also yeah. kind of miss that moment of yeah. just focusing on one band for an hour, like you said, reading yeah. its notes and, you know, just looking exactly. at the album cover, all that stuff.
0: Exactly, yeah. No, I mean, I like it that we are able to access everything through the phone. I mean, I'm not saying I don't I don't like that. It's just that it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, it has made everything like uh have like the duration of whatever the experiences of listening to, to a song is, is much less nowadays. It's, uh, you know, I was, I was, uh, I was watching this documentary recent recently with um, Nile Rodgers oh, and, and he was, you know, he's a legend, right. And he was saying that back in the day, like he had a really valid point. He said back in the day, you could measure like music. Okay. There, a song has a a value. Maybe it's worth like a dollar 50 or something because you buy a a CD or an album with 10 songs for like 15 bucks. So you could kind of say that one song was worth a dollar, right? More or less. Yeah. And now that doesn't exist anymore. Like the, 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 there's no, the currency is gone, like the currency is time. Like you ask from, ask from people to lend you your, lend you their time to listen to your music so (laughs) it's interesting concept
1: yeah that's a great point i hadn't really thought of kind of back to you know the album you after you know producing the the earlier firewind albums yourself you have had dennis ward producing the last few what made you decide to bring in someone from the outside in and how do you feel he's helped you know advance the sound of firewind throughout these last several years
0: um well the thing is uh Firewind uh, was going through a rough time uh, in the middle of the previous decade, about 10 years ago, to a point after our singer left with uh, Apollo, uh, which a lot of our fans would consider our golden era. uh, uh, But after he left the band, like we had a really successful touring year, but after that we tried to tour with uh, uh, somebody else and that didn't work out. And, I put, I decided to put the band on a hiatus for a few years. Um, and then, you know, I just, it was just hard for me to, to really find a uh, motivation to, to put it back together again. Um, I went out to, I went on to do solo albums and solo tours. Um, and um Sorry. Um, and yeah, I I uh, eventually, and I I knew Dennis. So we had tri- we had worked on some songs right before I joined Ozzy. I was supposed to start uh, the Unisonic project with him, and then I I joined Ozzy, and then obviously I, I backed out of that. And uh, yeah, then they did Unisonic with Kai Hansen and Michael Kiske, the Halloween guys. Um, but uh, you know, the, one of the Halloween managers was talking to me like around that time to mid 2015 or 16. He said, you should talk to Dennis, you know, like he could really help you with, you know, he could be a good solid uh, songwriting partner and help you get the get the band rolling again. And and he was right. You know, he put us in touch again and we started writing songs. And that became the comeback album, which was Immortals and was it had, you know, Really, really good reception. And and from there on, we've just become like a songwriting team. You know, he even participated in my solo project. You know, he played bass and sang on, on some songs, and we did a few tours together. So so now he's like he's he's my go-to guy in the studio. Like I always send him ideas and or even if I co write with somebody else, I always send something to Dennis and be like, Hey, what do you think about this? And do you have any ideas, suggestions?
1: Yeah. Do you he's a, he's, like that he's outside valued. input? I mean cuz you know yeah. earlier before when you didn't have that does it feel more complete to you now that you've got that kind of sounding board?
0: Well before we you know there was a songwriting team within Firewind so you know I would I would write stuff with Apollo and with Bob uh, our keyboard player so the, between the like the, the three of us would kind of have enough material good material to to pick and choose and make a record okay and then when when that team sort of fell apart you know uh, i mean i can write stuff on my own but i always believe that um like when i do stuff on my own i'd rather just keep it solo you know that's like like that's that's where i can get to experiment and do whatever the hell i want but within firewind you know i i always like the idea of you know i'm old school like that i i want to have a singer where that i can write with and bounce uh, off each other ideas and um uh and then yeah i mean uh Dennis proved to be like a really valuable um, partner and kind of like a Swiss army knife <laughs> because he can do everything he can engineer, mix the records, he masters the records he he co-writes and uh and if he doesn't co-write, he can give us he can he can give us uh, his uh, opinion on things and suggest some things that sometimes I would not think and uh, it's it's good to have like an outside opinion sometimes, yeah
1: you know, big fan of Herbie's voice on his last, this album and the last time, like, how do you feel, you know, his vocals have benefited Firewind?
0: Oh man, I think Herbie, uh, is a, a, is a big asset to Firewind. He, he's, um, he brought a lot of things to the table. I mean, not only he's a a great singer, he's a great frontman. He's a all around nice and positive guy. You know, he, he brought that kind of positive, positivity and, um, and excitement that that we needed to to move move forward, uh, and uh, and he's a very likable guy. It, it seems that you know a lot of fans love him, and um, he had a uh, a lot of people that were following him also from Avantage and his other bands, and um, and it's just a really easygoing guy, good to work with, great to work with, very easy. Um, and uh, you know, he has helped me in other areas of the band too. Like he he helps to uh with kind of like day-to-day stuff whereas you know because i'm I'm managing the band too and i'm doing a lot of things so if i need something herbie's a good guy to kind of ask something and he can he can help you know he's a he's a kind of guy who um who has ideas and he can uh help bring them to, to to realize them basically yeah
1: as far as writing the music goes whenever he joined the band was that kind of an instant connection between you guys or how long did that kind of chemistry take
0: well when he when he first joined but part of the audition was I sent him one of our old songs I asked him to sing over that and see how he does that and then the next was like I sent him one of the new songs and I asked him to write something over it see if, if how his ideas sound and the first song we wrote was a uh, devour which is was on the previous album and uh when he sent me those vocal lines back I was like okay this is the guy uh and then from then on you know that the, the previous record was done under a tight deadline, we had already written a bunch of stuff being Dennis, but then some of the stuff uh needed uh, Dennis could not complete the, the the production with us because he was busy with Halloween at that time. So in comes herbie and then he he completes the the other songs that were missing vocal lines and uh I started writing lyrics to, to quickly to help uh, finish things. I mean, that was like mind you, this is like pre-pandemic and we had like a big world tour planned. And uh, that's why we're under a tight deadline, and then we rushed to finish everything, and then <laughs> the world shut down. Right. Yeah. But uh, but you know that was like four years ago. And Now by by now he's fully integrated in the band. You know we've done tours, we got to know each other, spent a lot of time, we've been been around the world together. Uh, so we 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 started doing this project from scratch together. You know.
1: Well, as far as uh, the songs in the album, I think my favorite track is one of the ones that hasn't been released yet, which is Land of Chaos. What do you oh. remember about the the writing and the recording process of that track? Um, This was just like one of the songs that I wasn't sure if they
0: would make a, a firewind song or maybe like end up on a solo record of mine because it has, I don't know, a different kind of vibe to it, uh, like this. Different type of metal, almost like this kind of modern metal, but but then again, I don't know. I said let's let's try it out. It was one of those songs that I just sent it to Herbie and uh, okay, let's try this out. And uh, he uh, he came up with uh, some vocal lines. I think I think I pretty much wrote that one out. Most most of it I can't really remember, but. We went back and forth like i presented him some vocal lines he did is he like he did it on his own style he added his own touch to it and then it was it was put together pretty quickly and it was easy to write yeah
1: that's a good point i didn't really think about the the fact that it you know kind of is stylistically different so maybe that's why it jumped out at me you know the the first two tracks salvation day and Stand united you know really grabbed me, but by the time I got to Land of Chaos, it really just kind of maybe that's what it was. It just set off different than the rest of the album,
0: yeah, yeah. And I think that it's that's why we placed it at that like a track number seven, like it's it gives like this different tone on the album. Um, you know, whereas you have all these anthemic type of tracks or whatever, then you have this one, and it's like I don't know it could almost be like a song for another band, <laughs> but, right. uh, but yeah, but somehow we made it work for, for fireman. Yeah.
1: Well, another one of the tracks is your guys cover of talking in your sleep. Whose idea was that your idea to cover that or did someone else come with that idea?
0: <laughs> yeah, that was my idea. Okay. Uh, you know, the thing is, uh, it's one of those songs that, well, first of all, let me start by saying that we struggled to find a cover because we really wanted to do a cover, but we, we've been talking about it within the band for so long and, all the eighties pop hits have been done like millions of times by so many metal bands. And we just didn't know what to do anymore. And then this is a song that is always on the radio here in Greece. And when I drive around town, I it's, it's always comes up. And one of those days I just listened to it. and was like, ah, this one. So I Googled it to see if any other metal bands have covered it. And then luckily nobody did it. And, um, and then the next thing was like, I, I suggested it to the guys and turns out everybody was a fan of that song. They loved it. So it was just an obvious choice.
1: Or once you got the album completely, you know, track list laid out and everything, how do you feel Talking In Your Sleep fits in with the overall theme of the album?
0: Oh, it's it's not, it's not a, a song that fits with the theme, really. It, right. It's just like... Uh, it's just like a little uh what do you call it like a little bit of a departure like okay here's a here's a covered track and uh we've done that before we did that back in the when we did the premonition we did it with maniac so um it was just one of those you know we are we originally planned we wanted to record two or three covers but we were running we we couldn't just come up with the right ideas and this one was just the best idea and we just said that okay let's let's do that and uh, let's let's put it on the album it's um It'll be it'll be a fun little thing to have and um, in there you know like maybe like it'll, it'll surprise the listeners. Uh, maybe s- some people will know it and s- some people will not know it, but will go like, okay, what is this? <laughs>
1: okay. Yeah. Well, I know you're you know obviously in firewind mode right now, but is there any chance we see another solo album in the next year or two?
0: Um, it's. It, it could be a possibility we'll see we'll see how how this goes you know right now I'm really focused on this next tour and this next album and and uh see how busy that will keep us if the tour gets extended or if we keep going into 2025 doing tours and gigs um and if we do that then I have to see when I will have my next kind of like downtime to start writing and that that will sort of determine like my my inspiration for that will determine whether that'll be a, you know, like a, a solo record. Like I still have to think what the next solo record should be. So yeah, but you know, I'm not, I'm not worried about it yet. Yeah. It's uh, it's not, it's not uh it's not a priority at the moment.
1: I mean, I know, like you said, it's not a priority, but when you say what it would be, do you mean like either fully instrumental like Quantum Leap or a collaboration yeah, with yeah. vocals or having Dennis Ward back, that kind of thing?
0: Yeah, like I, I, don't know exactly what I want to do next. I mean, I like, I like the instrumental path that I took uh, on on the last record. I don't know if I should do like a, a mix of that or uh, of, of, I mean, of instrumentals and vocals, uh, uh, vocal songs. Um, I don't know if I should just, you know, like there's plenty of ideas around. You know, I don't know if it should be collaborations, maybe not even with singers, maybe with other musicians. You know, just maybe guitar players or even, or even just other instruments. Like, I I don't know. There's, there's like tons of ideas on my mind right now, which I haven't put in a proper context yet, you know?
1: (laughs) You know, speaking on that, whether it be a vocalist or another musician, is there anybody like specifically that you never recorded with that you would love to have on a future song of yours? Um, No, not really. I
0: haven't really made a, any specific list yet. To be honest, yeah. I mean, of course, if, if you ask me if I would like to, to collaborate with some of my guitar heroes, of course, yeah. Like, I can I can drop names. I mean, <laughs> I'd love to do a, a song with Joe Satriani or, I don't know, or Al DiMeola or, or John Sykes or whoever. But, I mean, I I, I don't know if that, that's the, the the way that I'm going to try and go. It, it really, it's, it's just too early to say.
1: Well, you, you kind of... Mentioned a little bit earlier when you were talking about writing with Firewind, but when you write an instrumental song, do you write it with the intention of it being instrumental, or does that kind of process just happen after you get going? If if vocals aren't involved, that kind of thing. Um. Yeah, I
0: don't. It's like the the instrumentals. I don't know where they take me. That's the thing. Like usually, everything is like riffs for me, and I and themes. So everything starts with the intention to have vocals. Uh, when I did Quantum Leap because it was like a lockdown mode and I was at home and I knew I, I couldn't really meet up with anybody or everybody was just at home doing their thing I thought well now is the time to really focus on this so I, I, I just dug out a bunch of older ideas and started putting guitar themes over them like instead of trying to do vocal lines I, I was you know I was doing guitar lines thinking thinking like a like a singer would but you know play it on the guitar and that's that's how the whole album developed and then from there on i started uh, making more ideas but then when i started making new ideas i was thinking of them as instrumentals now but i had to get into that mood you know i had to i had to jump into that mood and create that mood um like nowadays if i would write something it'll probably just to me it's like it starts with a riff or two riffs and i really don't know where that will go
1: something that's always intrigued me about instrumental music is obviously when you have vocals and words you know it's easy to have a theme or a title for the song but where do you get inspiration for a title of a song that doesn't have any words
0: oh yeah that's a good point because that's always the toughest thing actually is to to baptize the songs right (laughs) because they have no no lyrics i mean you you can think of certain things when you make them or whatever is something that uh like a feeling that uh, might come uh, but um i mean it's 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 hard i remember i was asking marty friedman about it years ago i said how do you because he's done so many instrumental records how do you come up with song titles and he said oh man it's so tough he said i have to write them down like i have like a note <laughs> like uh, he makes notes of uh, uh phrases he likes or 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 uh, lyrics or, or or a lyric or maybe a word he heard in a movie or something and he just keeps like this he has this, this big folder of like words and phrases and stuff and then he just picks and chooses to, and that's how he names his songs and i i kind of uh i like that idea and i and i kind of stole that too you know i sometimes i make notes i take down notes oh you know like <laughs> quantum leap cool that's a cool word that's a cool uh, phrase yeah. or uh, you know I, i'll hear a a word in a movie or something i'll be like "Ah, okay cool exosphere yeah i saw that in a sci-fi movie okay
1: (laughs) so it's kind of one of those things where like after you have the song you'll look at your list and think well this looks like it fits with what i did here kind of thing
0: yeah yeah like if the song has a certain mood or an atmosphere or a certain vibe then yeah then you can come up with something
1: yeah well switching gears a tiny bit you know during your time with ozzy you guys toured with slash as an opener I mean, I know your styles yeah. are totally different, but did you learn anything by seeing the process of a legendary guy like that, you know, that's kind of in a different rock genre than you are on a daily basis?
0: The thing is, I mean, we we did not see much of Slash on that tour. He was always busy, you know, and he like joined us a couple of years later when we did the Aussie and France tour in Europe. Okay. Um, and he was one of the guests and, you know, he would come up uh, uh, some of the nights and jam with us. And and Slash is one of the hardest working people I've seen in the business. Man, he was always traveling somewhere. He would fly overnight to go do, I don't know, maybe some promo thing, some TV promo thing in some other country, and then he would join us in Sweden the next morning for the show, and then off he was somewhere else to in Poland to do a show with his with the conspirators, and then he would join us back for the Aussie and Friends thing. So you know, he's really hardworking guy and. Super cool guy and uh yeah, like works hard, man. It, it was inspiring to see that.
1: When you first started rehearsing songs at tour with Ozzy, well, you know, was there any solos or parts by Randy or Jake or Zach that took a bit to get down, or was it all pretty, you know, simple for you?
0: Um, I mean, look, I, I did my homework and you know, I practiced hard yeah. the songs, you know. I I did my research on YouTube, of course. Not only the um, you know, I, I didn't only uh listen to the um album versions but i i would listen to i tried to dig up like um recordings from other guitar players from other eras and see how this guy did that or how this guy did that you know so uh, like you know how did zach play all the stuff uh, in the 80s or in the 90s or how did jake play all the randy stuff and so on and it's just interesting you know just to to uh to do that type of research. Um so yeah, f- for me, like I, I did my my homework and um some of the stuff was more challenging than others, uh, than other stuff. So um yeah. So it was uh it was it was cool to go back and do that type of uh homework.
1: When you were doing that research on say Randy Rhodes, was it something where you tried to capture what he was doing live in a solo or did you kind of incorporate your own into it as well and but also, you know, obviously honoring what he did.
0: Well, it's kind of hard to change Randy's stuff and put right. your own spin to it because his solos were so uh, const- well constructed and thought out and planned out.
1: Yeah, definitely. there were no.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah there were not like improvised uh, solos. I mean, okay, there were like a few improvised moments, like maybe on, say, Suicide Solution, the, like the middle section. You you know that 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 was a part where I could just go off and do my thing. But in general, you just kind of stick to what it is. Like, I'm not going to go in and change the solo of the crazy train. That's, that would be stupid. Right. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I saw it also from a fan perspective. Like if I go to an Aussie show, what do I expect to hear? I expected the band to kick ass and, and back him up perfectly and play the songs as good as possible. So uh, that's what I would expect if I went to an Aussie show. Uh, and I, I, I think that's, that's how everybody in the band looked at it you know that's how everybody approached the gig and um i mean ozzy never said a thing he was pretty pleased and happy with the way we we did this you know so
1: yeah on the album on scream did you i know that you've said in the past you didn't have you weren't involved in the writing process but i feel like the guitars on that album is probably the heaviest that you know ozzy had really ever been as a solo artist do you was that just the way it happened you think or was that like an intentional process um, that they went into the recording
0: with i mean it was a different album right it was it was a bit more on the you know that was his he was working with kevin chirp on those albums black rain and and scream and uh you know he had a little bit that more modern heavy a bit industrially type of vibe to it um and then again you know and, and my sound has that kind of more modern high gain touch to it so maybe that's why it sounds the heaviest of all um. So, yeah, like I don't know. That was they also it could be the the nature of the songs. I know that Kevin tried to do some riffs that reminded of Sabbath. You know, like that song "Let It Die" have like a pretty doomy riff. So there's a lot of Sabbath references to it, but then there's like all this modern stuff going around it. Yeah.
1: You know, going back even further, when you look back at the beginning of your career, I mean, a lot of artists go their entire career without putting out 10 or 12 albums. And you put out, you were a part of 11 or 12 albums by 2005. When With all that happening, you know, in your early to mid-20s, do you feel like you were able to appreciate everything that was happening while it was happening?
0: I mean, everything was going so, so fast. Everything was happening fast at that time. Um I didn't really stop and think for a minute there. You know, that was not the time for me to stop and think, Oh, I've done this and this. And so I was just, I would just jump to the next thing without thinking about it too much. Nowadays you think a bit, you think more about your next, um, your next moves and what you want to do. Maybe because we're getting older and we're considering, you know, time is more precious now. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was, I was, Being very productive and in my 20s, you know, playing with many bands and all that. Yeah, it was interesting. And then eventually I kind of like settled down and focused on my own thing.
1: Well, with all that going on with like what four different bands, do you, I mean, did you ever have like any extended period of time off or was it just constant, constant, constant?
0: Yeah, it was like pretty much like one project after another. There was no, downtime yeah and, and i loved it you know it, it was i was building my career i was building my name so i was really hungry for that at that time
1: also speaking of you know even earlier than that a friend of the podcast luke nagel wanted me to ask you would you ever considering writing a full record with james malone because he said he knew you wrote a couple demo songs for the first Firewind demo or is that someone we, you've we ever did. even kept in contact with throughout the years
0: Actually, what what is James doing nowadays? I haven't heard from him in years.
1: Do you, I'm actually do you know? not sure. He just sent me that question this morning.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, me and James we met when I went to Berkeley uh, in '97, and uh, we we you know we hit it off right away. We we made a band when we were at Berkeley. Uh, we went to that the summer program, and uh, we wrote a couple of songs together. We would just kind of like do four track demos together and um at that time i was really hoping that me and james would start like a a a cacophony style type of band um but then yeah you know like i we we both went and did our own thing um yeah so sorry i forgot what was the question if if i would do something with james like a record
1: yeah if i mean if there was ever any thought of writing a full record or if Writing in the you know, if that's someone you've really kept in contact with, you of answer that. But
0: yeah, the thing is I haven't I have I've lost I've lost touch with James. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know where he is. Yeah. I mean, I would have yeah. loved to just catch up with him and see how he's doing.
1: Do you have uh, you know, any of the songs that you, you know, were part of the writing process for for any of the other bands back then like Dream Evil or Mystic Prophecy that you think would work well in a fire one set? Or is that even something you would even consider?
0: Yeah, no, I wouldn't do that. I mean, I've, I've done a little bit of that on one of my solo tours.
1: Okay. Um, Like I, I think
0: that was, yeah, about 10 years ago. I went out and I did like some of my solo material when I heard my first couple of albums. And then I, on one of the tours, I did like a, a dream evil song and I did a Firewind song. I didn't do any mystic prophecy stuff, but yeah, like I did a little bit of all that. And then I, I did like an Aussie song, or at some point, I would do like an Aussie medley or something. Uh, And then I kind of dropped that. You know, like I I thought uh, building my solo career, I should probably uh, focus on that, on doing um, my own material and build that up. And uh, so, but you know, these are all cool ideas. Depends on the theme you want to present. Like it has to have some kind of meaning for doing that
1: throughout all those solo albums and all the firewind albums and those early albums we just mentioned, like, you know, you've worked with tons of vocalists throughout the years, you know, outside of obviously, you know, what you're doing now with Herbie, do you have anything that stands out as like a favorite vocal performance from one of your albums is, would it be Apollo or is it something, something, you know, another album?
0: Well, here's the thing. I'm one thing that I'm proud of. I always say that firewind has had many singers, but all of them were amazing. They were great. Yeah, like I'm proud of all the guys that I've worked with. Like their their vocal abilities, their their their, vo- their tone of their voices, and and um, you know the performances they they put on our albums. Um, you know whether it worked out between us or not for whatever reason. Like if that doesn't take away anything from from all those guys being great singers. Like from from Stephen Frederick to you know to Chitty to to Apollo. Um, you know, I I love Henning handing Buzz's performance on Immortals. You know, he he, he sang like like uh, his life depended on it. You know, it was, he was he sang great and and Herbie singing great. So so they they've all been great, man. Like yeah, like I don't think we uh, we lacked in that department ever. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, we maybe we haven't had a stable singer, but we've ha- we've never had like uh, any mediocre singers. They were all incredible
1: yeah yeah that's for sure well you guys have you know this tour with master plan in europe coming up and then a u.s tour with edge of paradise going you know this is going into may like what can we expect yeah. throughout the rest of the year from from firewind
0: well i mean uh you know it's i'd like to tour this album as much as possible um uh, yeah i mean we are, we are we're we're starting in europe in a few days and then we're heading over to the states it's going to be the first headline shows we've done in quite a few years in the states um you know i hope people can come out and uh, and support that uh, i know we're we're uh we're probably uh uh competing against a lot a lot of bands this spring touring america but uh yeah we're going to go out there and do our best and after that we go to japan and I hope we can just keep rolling, man. Like, you know, there's talks about going back and doing like round two in Europe in the fall. So there's talks about South America. So there's there's ideas, you know, let's see.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping to hit you at the, the Dallas show at the end of the the U.S. tour. I've seen, you know, I got the chance to see you with Ozzy, but I've never had the chance to see Firewind live.
0: Oh, really? Okay, yeah. dude, you should come out to the show then.
1: Yeah, I'm about four hours north of there, so I'm definitely going to try to make that one. Cool, cool. Kind of a final question for you. I mean, you've, you know, we talked about a little bit with singles at the beginning of this talk, but, you know, technology's changed a lot throughout the past 20 plus years of your career. Do you enjoy where the process is at now? Or is that something you really thought about as it's changed throughout the years? As far as mean, recording uh, goes, I mean, and that kind of thing. Recording,
0: yeah. yeah. No, I mean, look, this this is very convenient nowadays. I, and I, I like that part. That's I don't really have to go into an expensive studio and sit there and the clock ticking and then I'm, I'm getting nervous about recording. So I, I hated that part always. Um, now I have my own studio and, um, uh, and, and, you know, I can just record where, whenever I want and we can file, uh, we can uh, share files and with, with, with the band or with, with Dennis, for example, or whoever we're working with, that has made life so much easier. That is like the technological part that is, uh, I mean, it's a miracle that we can do these things nowadays. Um, so I'm really all up for that. I mean, it's and it's also really convenient to to record great guitar tones now with all the plugins and stuff that's available. It's it's incredible.
1: And I mean, even recording process. Like I just the last interview I did was with Brian Tatler from Saxon and Diamondhead, and he you know mentioned Saxon recorded their newest album in like four different, basically four different countries. I think. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, we we are doing it like that too. Like I do my guitars here in Greece. Okay. And like we, we track drums in Germany, um in a in a different studio. And then Herbie, he, he lives in Germany, but he has a also home studio. So he tracks all his vocals in his studio. Um and and uh so so we, we do it like that remote.
1: Yeah. So I guess that kind of, you know, I mean that's another, you know, a huge change from I'm sure the, the early days of you doing this whenever Probably everybody went in a studio, at least the same studio, whether it was at the same time or not, you know?
0: Uh, I mean, back in the day, we used to travel in the studio all together and we yeah. would rent, like, we would do like a, a lockout, you know, we would just uh, hire the studio for a full month and we would all live there, you know, there would probably be like guest rooms and we'd all <laughs> live there and for a month and wake up in the morning and just go to recordings. And uh, whenever, you know, the drummer was finished, then like, okay bass up next or guitars or whatever and the other guys were just waiting around <laughs> so <laughs> I, I mean i've 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 we've done a couple of records like that like the premonition was done like that allegiance was done like that um but you know before that we actually started out as a uh phylic exchanging band too like in the early 2000s the first two records were done with just Sending files, but back then it was on CDs because you couldn't send all that with email. We didn't have uh, the, we didn't have the fast enough internet. Yeah. So I, I mean, when I started, when I when the, when I got signed to Leviathan Records and I was working with David Chastain, you know, I would just send everything on a CD, all the files, send it over to America, and then you would do the vocals, send it back to me. Um, it was harder and took longer to do things like that, but we got it done. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, uh, nowadays, like I said, uh, it's uh, you can you can get such great sounds just in a home studio and in your bedroom, you know, with with plugins and things like that, and just like a Pro tool system and just a a normal interface, and um, so that has become a big. Uh, it's a it's a very helpful tools, yeah.
1: Yeah. It's amazing how far it's come, you know, just like us sitting here talking on zoom and you could, you know, hop on zoom and talk with one of the other guys about, you know, Hey, you like this part or whatever, you know, how quick it makes it that process. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right, man. Well, Max, absolutely loving the new album and hoping to see you live. Like I said, and I appreciate you taking the time with me today.
0: Excellent. Thank you, my friend. Have a good one there.
1: There you go. Gus G of Firewind, a huge thank you to Tim from Adam splitter PR for his help with that. And of course, a massive thank you to Gus for taking some time out there to hit me up on Zoom and talk about the brand new album, Stand United from Firewind, as well as, as you heard, a bunch of other stuff from throughout his career. Stand United is out May 1st, this coming Friday, the 10th studio album from Firewind. You don't want to miss it. Pre-order that thing. Buy some vinyl. Do whatever it is you do if you don't buy physical stuff. Just stream the hell out of it. You know, we got to support great artists when they put out great music. So do that with any band you love at all times, right? All right, if this is your first time listening, greatly, greatly appreciate it. There's 388 previous episodes you could check out. Just a couple episodes, Brian Tatler. of course, from Diamondhead fame. And he's now the guitarist, one of the two guitarists in Saxon. As well, who just put out their 24th album. Check that out. Great episode from Brian. Of course, we've got some great stuff coming up. Just recorded an episode with Jack Russell. The original voice of Great White. He has a great new album with Tracy Guns that just came out. Called Russell Guns. Very cool one to check out if you have not. You can also check out tons of previous ones we've had on Gene Simmons of KISS. Bruce Kulick, formerly of KISS, Vivian Campbell of Def Leppard and Dio, and Last in Line, Dizzy Reed of Guns N' Roses. Chris Broderick, formerly of Megadeth, In Flames, all kinds of great stuff throughout the years. If you're a fan of Gus G, you could be a fan of Chris Broderick. So check that out. Also had on Dave Elson, formerly of Megadeth a couple of times. James Lomenzo, who was formerly of Megadeth and now back in Megadeth. Members of Shine Down, Buck Cherry, White Zombie, Typo Negative, Motley Crue, Testament, Warrant, White Snake, Winger, Queensrÿche, Skillet, Alice Cooper, Black Label Society, Billy Idol, Killswitch Engage, Clutch, Seven Dust, C.O.C. The list is great and long. So just dig back through there, look for stuff you like, check them out, download them, click like, subscribe, wherever you're listening right now so you don't miss those future episodes. Anytime you see a post on any social media, if you just like it, comment or share, that's a huge help as well. I've also got the website, thethunderunderground.com, you can listen to the website directly on there. You can also listen pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, just Google it. It should be the next... Thing down under the Ozzy song Thunder Underground and now as I'm saying that out loud it's kind of funny you know I just talked to a former member of Ozzy's band of course he did not play on the song Thunder Underground that was a Zach Wilde era song there's a very loose connection there right I think he's probably the second let me think about that so I should have thought of it beforehand probably the second person that's played with Ozzy that has been a guest on this podcast Brian Tishy has been on here a couple times. You know, and he's been in tons of great stuff throughout the years, so. Anyway, once again, check all that stuff out. Check out the new album from Firewind. etc., etc. All right. Once again, a huge thank you to Sunset Tattoo, DEB Concerts, Adam Splitter PR, and Gus G, and until next time.
0: Thunder Underground, y'all.